Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening folks. Mick Shepard here on the Adoption Chronicles and welcome to the podcast as always. We've got a special episode in store for you. It uh, won't be all that long and when I say a special episode, it means that it's different from our normal episode. Normally, I speak with people who have lived experiences with adoption, whether that's an adopted person uh, a birth parent or an adoptive uh, person, adoptive parent as well. And I've also spoken with foster people, foster kids, foster uh, people, I guess. And I've also spoken with donor conceived people. And I think there's a little bit of traction happening. We've recently just gone over 10,000 followers and I thank you so much for that. That's quite quite humbling. And what was also extremely humbling was being contacted by Amy Lewis from World Magazine who wanted to do an interview with me. And I had no reason why not to. And so I recorded an interview with Amy last week for her article that she's putting together on adoption and uh, uh, Amy is an adoptive mum so she's gathering and a journalist obviously and she's putting together her article and hopefully it'll come out around January sometime and my understanding is that the World Magazine is a publication in America and yeah very very daunting and uh, so what I've got for you today is the audio recording of our Zoom meeting. So 
you might hear some questions that you may have already heard, but uh, essentially it's Amy's questions to me, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Without further ado, over to you, Amy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks for um, uh, asking me to be interviewed. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I I feel like I'm interviewing the master, so. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate that. Um, no if you could just, I'm sorry if I'm yelling. I can't, you know. No, you're fine. The whole headphone thing. Yep. Um, if you can just tell me your name and what you do. Yep. Michael Shepard's my name. I host the Adoption Chronicles podcast, and I speak with uh, all different kinds of people in relation to adoption. Excellent. And um, what is your connection with adoption? I'm an adopted person. I, yeah, I I have a affinity with the adoption community, whether it's adopted people or birth parents or adoptive parents. I'm open to all the different stories that you hear and, yeah, definitely uh, try to keep an open mind. Well, I don't try. I've definitely got an open mind when it comes to everybody's stories, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, I knew I was adopted from a very young age, so my adoptive parents told me when I, I, as long as I can remember I was adopted. So I grew up knowing that, and I didn't really take a lot of uh, notice because I had a very good upbringing. I'm very lucky that my parents, there was no difference between what I saw in my family and other people who were growing up with their genetic parents. Um, My sister's adopted as well, and we had, there was no difference. So I didn't really consider myself different, but Growing up, there was always a few, you know, offhanded comments that weren't designed to be malicious, but it made you think. So what, you know, I often think, you know, what if? What happened if that sliding door moment was a different decision and how would my life have been? So there was always an underlying thought that way. And when I was a teenager... Uh, the laws in New South Wales changed and you're able to contact either your birth parents and your birth parents were more open to contact their birth children. And there was a decision made at the time, like my parents were quite open with me with that and I decided not to make any contact with my Uh, birth parents I thought well at the time that they gave me up for a reason and if they wanted to contact me then that was up to them and it was about six months to 12 months later uh, my birth mother contacted me and threw a letter to to mum and before I knew it I was uh, coming home and she was in my lounge room and I wasn't ready emotionally. However, you can never be emotionally ready for that. You know, you can go through all the thought processes and everything, but 
um, if you think you're going to be ready, you'll never be ready. And that started off quite well. And then, so she lived in Queensland. I lived in New South Wales. And I was going on a road trip and uh, I was with my girlfriend who turned into my wife. Um, and we drove up to see my friends and have a holiday in Queensland. And we went up and saw my birth mother and met my half-brothers and sister as well. And that all started off quite well. And then without knowing how to keep proper communications going, I mean, I'd never done it before. I wasn't sure of what protocols there were. So I kind of let the communication happen the other way because I felt a little bit like an invader into their into their family. So I met my birth grandmother and a few other uncles and aunties and it was all, and cousins, and it, it all seemed to be pretty, I, I seemed to be well received, which was good. But then after, um, I didn't get any, further communication, like I didn't get any uh, follow-up. And then um, I found out that um, my half-sister got married and the and my birth mother said, oh, I forgot to invite you to the, to the wedding. I just forgot about you, basically. So I went, oh, okay, I'll just carry on, just carry on with life. And, you know, there was a few other things where it just, we just drifted apart, basically. And, yeah, made the conscious effort that that was it done. Uh, I guess being not really abandoned, but uh, let go twice. That wasn't very, uh, it it, it hurt, I've got to say. And I was interested in, you know, looking after myself, and that's yeah. It, it was and about uh, two, three years ago. I um was contacted again uh, by my birth mother, and it was apparent that she was coming to the end of her life, and I felt as if that she was trying to make amends or trying to close that chapter in her life, and. I had a choice again to either contact her back or um, just let it go. No, none of my brothers or sisters or cousins or aunties or uncles made any attempt to contact me and I decided not to get in touch. And, um, you know, that was a hard decision because... I, I can't go back on that now. And then, so that's, yeah, me, my adoption story, you know, very, very short, uh, short roundup, that's for sure. And, yeah, so then I came to where we are now pretty much. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. You you do a fabulous job on your podcast. Thank of, you. Of listening and being patient and compassionate. And um, so I just... I I'm new to this hearing yep. these stories and they're they're heartbreaking and yeah and absolutely like how to I don't know yeah so it's it's hard it really yeah. is um and I uh when I, I I 
if I go back and, and start the, um, I guess you'd like to know the reason why I started the podcast. And That's my next question. Yes. Uh, I... It, it started out, I guess there's always serendipity involved with these types of stories. Uh, my wife and I were sitting watching television or scrolling on Facebook, as you do, and she came across a advert for a cricket commentator. So I, she goes, oh, you should do this. You like cricket and you like talking about it and you know about it. So I answered the ad and I went along and I commentated some games of cricket. And this guy had all the gear, and it wasn't expensive gear, and he wanted to do a podcast. So he used me, and I asked a friend of mine, and we did the first podcast that was revolving around sport. And so we did the sport news, and it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And... I didn't uh, think that he was very professional and I looked at what he was doing and the delays in getting our podcast out and I thought to myself, I could do this better than he could. And I looked up the cost for the equipment and I made an investment and bought the equipment and did it on myself or did it, I went out on my own and I thought I could do a sports podcast, which I do. So I I did a, a sports podcast and we were doing local sports and doing uh, results and fixtures and all of that. And every now and again, I had an opportunity to do an interview on that sports podcast. And I really enjoyed the interview process and I wanted to expand that and not just do sports interviews. I still do that. Um, And then I thought, I was also exploring my adoption story as well, like coming to grips with with where I was at and what that meant to me in my life. So I started to look at different adoption groups on Facebook, and a lot of the groups were telling stories and I was reading the stories and I was getting a lot out of reading other people's stories and I didn't have time to read the amount of stories that I wanted to to give me a good understanding of myself and I thought if I could just listen to a podcast then I can listen while I'm driving to work, I can listen while I'm driving around, while I'm by myself and it would be easier for me to listen to podcasts. So I started to look up podcasts and what I found was a lot of different podcasts that had various agendas and they were pushing a story, whether it was uh, for adoption, uh, positive or anti-adoption and uh, there was a lot of different angles coming at me from the presenters and I didn't want that. I just wanted to hear people's stories and and take from their story what I needed. So I asked, and I wasn't sure how to go about it. So on one of the uh, groups that were quite friendly, I asked the question to the group. I said, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. 
would you guys be offended if I did that? And would you be interested in coming on? Essentially, that was the question. And in that one thread, I had over 150-odd comments, and all of them were, yeah, you need to do that. So I went, okay, cool. I set it up, and I thought, well, how can I start? So I, uh, I just interviewed somebody who wanted to come on, uh, and as the first interview was with an, actually a non-adopted person, but she... Uh, Diane Cuff was the first uh, guest on the show and she's an adoption search angel. So through DNA, she helps find uh, birth parents and birth families and things like that. So it was a really good introduction into the world of DNA searching and how adopted people can search through DNA to find their birth families. And then... The interviews kept rolling in, and I talked to different people, and uh, it and and I just think that each and every guest that comes on the show is a brave, brave soul that is giving me more of themselves than I'm giving of them, and more importantly, and this is I found this out through people who have contacted me through the. Uh, from my Facebook page, that it helps the community. So if you tell your story, and I've had beautiful ending stories where it's been a match made in heaven where a long-lost birth family have come together with their adopted child, and I've had some stories that that you need to take a break from life to... Get yourself uh, ready to face people. You, you know, there's there's good stories and bad stories, but every story is unique. You know, even my sisters and my story, we grew up in the same house, but our adoption story is unique to us. And it's the same for adoptive parents. It's the same for birth parents. And it's uh, I just need to respect 100% my guests their story um and yeah i try to i try to give them the space they need to to tell their story as they want to be told so if you were to sum it up why why do you do the podcast i think i do it for other people now i i I started it trying to um you know learn my interview techniques in a community that i had enormous respect for and through feedback um, and people have said oh thank you for doing the podcast I I've got a lot out of it Um, it's helped me understand my life and if I had got one of those uh, responses then it's all worth it and I've got you know I've, I've got many people that have said that and it's just so humbling to put it together and it helps the the person who I'm talking with and it helps the wider community because the trauma that's associated with adoption is it's it's it goes to the very core of your being like you're separated from your family at the very start of your life however that's part that's somebody's story so my trauma is completely different to somebody else's trauma 
I, I, I'm very happy with where I am. Um, I don't think that I'm uh, traumatised by that. Uh, and I'm lucky that my parents are so wonderful. So I think, you know, you, you, I also put it into perspective, like there's a lot of people who are with their biological family that are not in a good way either. So, you know, every every story is unique and you can't just say that one area in society works and another one doesn't because it's all up to the individuals. Yeah, thank you for, for reminding me of that. Yeah. Are you are you willing to tell me a little bit about your mom, your birth mother's story? Like, do you happen to know, and, and it's okay if not, we can just talk. Yeah. And I've been spending a lot of time looking at forced adoption, like yep. during the 1950s to 80s. Yep. Was was that part of her story? Or, uh, yes. Um, do you want to talk about that? Okay. Yeah, and I, uh, you think that forced adoption was a societal norm back in those days. It wasn't necessarily a government policy, but it was very much the case where society would say to a young mother or even young parents that you're not where you're not married, you cannot have this child, you need to put it up for adoption. That was normal in society. The story that I was told by my birth mother was that she was um, in love with this man and she found out that she was pregnant and she told him and then he told her that, oh, I'm sorry, I've already got three daughters and I'm married, so see you later. And then she's she would have been a single mum in the very early 70s. And at that time, it wasn't expected that you would be a single mother. You would essentially be expected to put the baby up for adoption. Now, it's I found out that when I met my uh, eldest um, half-brother, uh, he's around about a year younger than me. So she had her second child very, very quickly. And at the time, I was I was pretty cut up about that because I'm like, well, you gave me up, but then you had another one in quick succession. Now, after learning a lot more about what's happened, especially to birth mothers, that it's common for birth mothers to get into a new relationship and, and have a second child uh, reasonably quickly. And I've also grown uh, very empathetic of the situation for birth mothers as well because I can't imagine how hard a decision it would have been for them to give up their child that they've been growing inside them for, for nine months. So that would be hard. Like, I can't fathom how hard that would be. And that's, you know, it's all part of part of the story. Some birth fathers don't even know, and some of them do and they walk away. Some of them do and they want it to be with her and the child, but society says no. And, yeah, it's very, it's this, and, and that goes, again, to the unique scenarios for every uh, every situation because even though they're similar 
and society says, no, you put the baby up for adoption, there's, there's different stories that, that make it happen. Have you, do you see any continuity between the time when your mother was giving birth and today? Like, is there any, are there any similarities that you see in society? Um, I think there's, there's been a big change in uh, the single mother pension. So I'm under the impression that adoptions are a lot rarer these days because mothers are keeping their children because uh, they have uh, the financial um, ability to, to look after their children with, the, with that single mother's pension. So I think that came in in 75, thereabouts, and the adoption rates uh, plummeted. Yeah, that's my understanding. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you see in um, in the stories that you hear? Has there been a change at all over time in the stories that you hear, or is there pretty much? I mean, of course, everybody's story is unique, but yeah. in terms of trends, do you see any trends? There's, I there is a few different trends. Uh, I've talked to a few people that found out they were adopted when they were old, um, like sixty eight their 70s and found out that they were adopted after they've done DNA. So one thing that I've noticed is that the DNA uh, situation now, Ancestry DNA, where you go along and you find out your heritage, the cat's out of the back. There's no more secrets because before the technology, uh, you could have a child and put it out for adoption for argument's sake, uh, one of my guests is from New Zealand and he and his partner moved to Perth while she was pregnant and and put their baby up for adoption in Perth and then moved home so that none of their family knew that, the, that she was pregnant and they had a child. And then they were able to go home and without any technology, nobody knows. But and I've said this to my kids as well, that if they want to find out, if they want to do their DNA, they're old enough now to make that decision themselves because I haven't looked for my birth father. And through DNA, I could uh, easily expect to find to find him. Uh, whether or not I do, I, I still haven't, uh, made that decision properly. I'm leaning towards doing a DNA, um, but whether or not I decide to take the next step and announce myself to him, um, or you, you 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 make the contact in a much more uh, politically sound way than that. Like I'm not going to knock on the door and say, "Hey, remember what happened so many years ago." Uh, that's not me. It might have been when I was 20, but not now. Yeah. Relationships are complicated. Like they're just naturally complicated. Absolutely. And then you throw in, you throw in this, um, I don't know, secret past, yeah. this, this unknown beginning. Yeah. Um, would you, would you counsel people definitely to look for biological family or, or I, would it be a case by case? Definitely case by case. And 
my general, if, if I'm in this conversation with another adopted person, I, I let them make their own mind up. I don't generally say, this is my position, I think you should do this or I think you should do that. But I will say that their children can make a decision on their behalf because that's happened previously as well. So I've talked to uh, I've, I've talked to a guest whose adoption story came out after her daughter did her DNA, and it was then found out that she was adopted through that because the 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 family tree didn't match what they expected, and it was like there's some shenanigans going on here. Let's investigate this. It didn't add up with what they'd been told, because. Even when you go back further in time, some of the scenarios that played out for parents that were having a child out of wedlock, instead of raising the child as their own, they raised the child as their brother or sister underneath the family tree of their of their parents. So the child thought their parents was... Like the child thought their grandparents was their parents, if that makes sense. And that used to happen more regularly than what we might give credit for. So that doesn't work in the DNA either. So Pandora's box is definitely open. Um, I don't know if you um, have any insight on this, but just thinking about artificial insemination yep. and how that is another whole That's other... absolutely true. I've spoken to a guest who's... Uh, a, a baby or a she she I'm uh, just thinking of how she termed it uh, the, the phrase uh, it, it is definitely an IV child and through DNA again she was able to find her birth father and when he was contacted he was like I was told I was never going to get contacted um, I haven't got any money for her. It was obviously he was straight on the back foot, but she wasn't after money or anything. She just wanted to know who he was. And as it turned out, he had fathered 18 or 19 children. And through the DNA, he was able to meet, I think, 11 or 12 of them. Now, that man decided that he didn't want children. So he didn't have any children with a partner in his normal life. But through the in vitro fertilization uh, and sperm donor, so this yeah, so the donor babies—that's what they um, they refer to them as—and that was a very interesting story as well. So yeah, and I've lovely to speak to to her and uh, get her story with the IV as well. How much of this is um, is your identity, like knowing who you are? Like, like trying to find your parents. Yep. Uh, one of the what's, what's the question? Yeah, the question is nature versus nurture, and that pops up a lot in some of the conversations because there's I think there's even Stevens with nature and nurture because you are a product of your environment, but there's also just who you are as well, and who you are is genetic to a degree. Uh, one of my earlier guests is a car fanatic and he grew up in a family of sport nuts like football and he was doing car stuff 
totally at odds with his uh, adopted family. And then he met his genetic family and his brothers and father were all car nuts. You know, and that's a common thing as well. Character traits like, you know, how you stand. Oh, this person stands with one hand on their right hip and then they meet their birth family and then you notice that the mother or the father's standing in the same way. Um, and But then you've also got the product of your environment too, like how your morals turn out I think is a big uh, education by your parents. So I think that's... It's close to 50-50, I think. All right, so we're almost out of time. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to say about this or, yeah, anything you thought I was going to ask you? I'd be curious to hear. Uh, Yeah, no, I think you've definitely covered the areas that I thought you might cover. Um, I just think that for the adoption community that we need to give each other some love and appreciation that we are dealing with some deep-seated trauma that may never be resolved. But be kind to yourselves, basically, because, you know, we're dealing with life as best as we can and everybody is, whether you're adopted or or not. So, you know, I think the more stories people hear, the more you can understand that you're not abnormal, you're not dealing with something on your own. And, uh, yeah, just by by listening and, and understanding other people's journeys, you can you can help heal yourself. You can get to a point where you can get up out of bed every day and face the world and, and be productive and, and, and get home and, and, and be the best person you can be for your family. I think that is one thing that I've been learning just through this whole process is just... Um how often we see something, right? Like we see a person and we see, oh, they're normal or, you know, whatever mm. we, we put through our mind, realizing just the amount of trauma that that many people yeah. are living with all the time yeah. and just, um, and how important it is to get to know people. Yeah, absolutely. Like and not just assume things about people. Yep. Um, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes you can make a offhanded joke. Like I think one of the things that, that that almost triggers me is when you're hearing conversation uh, and it's on television as well with families, you know, birth families and they're all uh, genetically and uh, their mother and father and son and daughter and that and, and one of the kids does something unusual and one of the parents might say, oh, you must have been adopted or the, or the, the kid says to the other kid, yeah, you're adopted or something like that. And it's a real put down. And that just throws another little dart in the heart. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. That's not cool. Um, so yeah, if I was to say anything to, to the wider community would be to maybe refrain from that one. It's, it's not cool. It's not funny. And I'm pretty open and generous with my humor, but that one it's, um, yeah, it, it does hurt a little bit. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, very true. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for throwing that one in there too. No worries. Well, um, yeah. If there's anything else, um, yeah, uh, I guess 
wrap this up, but thank you very much. Is this is kind of part of a bigger story that sure. I'm doing about um, adoption? Yep. Um, mostly in Australia. Okay. Uh, but and you can tell I am not Australian, but yep. here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No, appreciate your well, insights you. and your and I do. I I love listening to your to your podcast and just um yeah, you're um you're just very gracious. Thank it's, you. It's good to hear. No, I appreciate it. That was my interview with Amy Lewis from the World Magazine. Pretty uh, interesting table-turning type episode. I um, definitely uh, was a little bit uh, uh, new experience for me, I can tell you that for sure. I normally am the one hosting and asking the questions and on behalf of you guys, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I hope you guys got something out of it. And I've also put together a brand new email address, which might hopefully make it easier for everybody to get in touch and organise to have an interview. And you can reach me on the Adoption Chronicles at Outlook.com. And hopefully we'll be talking with you guys soon. So whether you're here in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Indonesia, America, Canada, the UK... France, Belgium, Egypt, Brazil. I value that uh, you've tuned in. And even if you want to just drop me a line and say, uh, hey, do you reckon you should cover this topic? Or have you thought about asking these questions? Or or anything at all. So uh, feedback is always uh, greatly appreciated. And until next time, I will uh, talk to you then. Stay safe, everyone. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details